welcome to another episode of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Haywood and Zurich Insurance Company PLC, and the citation for this case is 2016 UKSC 48. Now the respondent in this case, Mr Haywood, had been a bit naughty, because while he had suffered an injury at work way back in June 1998, he had exaggerated the extent of his injuries so that his employer's insurer, in this case Zurich, the appellants, paid out in the settlement nearly £135,000. Now at the time of this settlement in 2003, Zurich did have some inkling that Mr Haywood was faking it, but they didn't really have enough evidence to not settle the case. However, six years later in 2009, Zurich did have that evidence and they were able to produce that evidence and sought to set aside the settlement that they had reached with Mr Haywood. After some preliminary proceedings that allowed the case to go ahead, the Court of Appeal eventually found that because way back in 2003 when the original settlement was reached, the insurance company did have knowledge of the exaggeration, they should not be allowed to bring this case. However, as we look at it now when it reached the UK Supreme Court on the 27th of July, Zurich eventually won the case in a unanimous decision and the payment that was due to Mr Haywood was reduced from nearly £135,000 to only just over £14,000. The key question in this case then for the Supreme Court was whether when a company or an individual reaches a settlement with another person and they have some knowledge that there is deceit or misrepresentation involved, should they then not be allowed to set aside the settlement? I think it's unsurprising that the Supreme Court took a very dim view of the fraud involved with Mr Haywood in this particular case, and in response to that particular question, the Supreme Court said that while the state of the mind of the insurer is clearly a relevant factor at the time of the settlement, it's not necessarily decisive when it comes to a case of fraudulent misrepresentation. I think the key quote that we can take from this case is from paragraph 40, where it was said that qualified belief or disbelief does not rule out inducement, particularly where those investigations were never going to find out the evidence that subsequently came to light. This is a case then that involved suspicions of fraud or fraudulent misrepresentation, but what about those cases where the insurer, for example, is completely aware that there is deceit going on? Should they then still be allowed to set aside these settlements? Well, there was a bit of a dispute between the justices here because this wasn't necessarily relevant to the case. So in terms of the actual precedent that we can draw from this case, we can certainly talk about that qualified belief that I've just taken the quote from in paragraph 40. But in his judgment, Lord Clark said obiter that there may be factual circumstances in which a representee, such as the insurer, knows that a representation is false but nevertheless relies on it. Lord Tolson was keen to point out that the Supreme Court shouldn't be making judgments on these lines because that was not the facts of the case that were presented before them, and so I think that's an important distinction to make in this particular case. In terms of whether the Supreme Court got this decision right, I think it's a really careful balance that they have to draw. On the one hand, they definitely don't want Mr Hayward to be able to get away with fraud, because clearly that goes against all ideas of honesty and sense of justice that the legal system is actually based on in the first place. On the other hand, we do have an interest in certainty in the law as well, and so if a person has reached a settlement agreement back in 2003, 
is it really correct that all of these years, 13 years it is later, a person should then be able to have that settlement set aside? Does this mean that moving forward in the future, people who have received a settlement are always going to be worried that cases of fraudulent misrepresentation could also be brought against them, and that those settlements could be drastically reduced, as was the case here for Mr Haywood? It's very easy for us to say at this point that, well, those people who have acted honestly in terms of their insurance claims have nothing to fear, and the only people that this will really affect is those who have acted dishonestly. But this is potentially a great win for insurance companies because they know now that they can settle a case at the time and then perhaps unscrupulously pursue other investigations to go after people who they do suspect of fraud. And there's a potential that these settlements are never really settled, which really goes against the whole principle of them in the first place. I do think that the distinction between Lord Clark and Lord Tolson's judgment is really interesting and points us towards perhaps what is a correct answer. I would probably disagree with Lord Clark that there should be an instance where the representee is completely aware of the fraud at the time and does nothing about it. Is it really fair in those circumstances that a person should then simply later be able to unravel the settlement? They've had the opportunity at the time if they've got sufficient evidence and so they shouldn't be able to just wait until a later time to undo that certainty that has been created. However, perhaps it is fair that where we do have this idea of a qualified belief, there then should be the opportunity to, at a later date, present further evidence of fraudulent misrepresentation and to try and reduce or completely undo a previous settlement. In my view, the court should, though, proceed very carefully in such cases and have a complete awareness that what they are doing is unravelling the certainty of the law, and so looking into the factual circumstances of that qualified belief at the time of the original settlement is really important. Did it really exist? Did it exist to such a great extent? And what influence did it have on the insurance company or other party? in terms of the inducement to enter into the settlement. The balance between fraud and certainty is one that the courts are never really going to get completely right, but they have to do their best to achieve the greatest amount of certainty they can, while also punishing those like Mr Haywood who have committed fraud. Well, thank you very much for listening to this edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast. If you did enjoy it, remember to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Thanks also to bensound.com for providing the theme music for this podcast. Also remember you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Marcus Cleaver. And also check out my YouTube channel as well, youtube.com forward slash Marcus Cleaver. I look forward to speaking to you next week. But for now, bye. Bye.